Welcome to the Gamers Tavern, episode 26. This is an episode I've had in mind since I started the podcast because I see this question online so often. How do I get started? Well, that's what we're here to discuss today. How to get started in role-playing games and how to introduce new players to the game. But before we get to the show, I just realized I may not have made an official announcement about this yet, but we have a store. You can visit the Gamers Tavern store at gamerstavern.org slash store where you can purchase t-shirts, flasks, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and so much more, including Ross's shirt you gotta be critting me you know i did not come up with that (laughs) anyway any purchase you make from that store just goes to support the podcast and help us grow more so head on over there right now and check out what we've got with that said go ahead and grab a drink from the bar and take a seat at the table in the corner and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor Have you been looking for a dark fantasy RPG setting? Are you interested in seeing a new take on the action horror genre? Then you should check out Accursed. Accursed is a setting for the Savage Worlds RPG created by me, Ross Watson, and my good friends Jason Marker and John Dunn. It is a world where the heroes are monsters who fight for redemption against the witches who have conquered their land. To find out more about Accursed, search for Accursed on drivethroughrpg.com. Accursed is now on sale there and in many other fine retailers for gaming PDFs. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy Accursed. Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of the Gamers Tavern podcast. I'm Ross Watson, your host. And I'm Daryl Mott Jr. And tonight we have with us two great guests. We have Mr. Ivan Van Norman. Hello, hello. And Mr. Mark Carroll. Hello. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about how to get started in gaming. But before we do that, let's do what we always do with our guests and ask them about their gaming character sheet. Now, Ivan, you've had to do this before, so uh, I'm going to start with you since you know you know the drill. Right, you- yeah, and I can I can give a, like, a smaller sheet, a sub-sheet, so to speak. So. Maybe if you were an NPC, right. what would your gaming character sheet look like? If I was an NPC, I'd be a lizard man. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'd be a lizard man alchemist because I think they're awesome. Some people know me via a little reality show called King of the Nerds, which aired on TBS last year. Uh, they just finished the season two of it now. But uh, I'm also a developer of role-playing games. Me and a couple gentlemen make a game called Outbreak Undead, which is a zombie survival role-playing game. The company's called Hunter's Books. There's more along the lines. And uh, most recently, I'm part of the project called Saving Throw, which is supposed to be an instructional web series on how to play role-playing games. And not just how to play, but why. I am really excited about Saving Throw. I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's, we, you know, I'm really happy that we even hit above the 100% mark. We got like 150%. So, you know, we're actually just starting to do production for it now. So hopefully we'll have, the goal is to have something to show whether it's one episode or a couple episodes by Gen Con this year. Now you just said 150%. Does that mean you're, you're crowdfunding it? It was crowdfunded and it was successfully backed. So, it's all done, and there's money in the bank, and we're producing the thing. So. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. And Woo-hoo. 
Of course, if you ever want, you know, to have us on your show, I'm sure we right. can probably make it happen. <laughs> right. Probably not too difficult. And um, we're actually still lining up how we want to do the production of it because we really want it to be like almost like the Mythbusters version of um, role playing games. As you know, they like, you know, they have guests on that, but it's usually pretty minimal on how they how they incorporate right. it because we have a lot of information to cram into a new media style right. <laughs> format. I, I, I still think it's more like goodies man with the puppets and everything Goody. sure yeah no it actually was i saw a whole box of puppets today too and my and my <laughs> head was like hmm i wonder what we could do with these now so. also just fyi if you watch the current season of king of the nerds you may have seen ivan stumbling around as a zombie uh i think in episode four four or five i think yeah <laughs> one of those two i i was shocked because i was literally skyping chatting with ivan when i was watching that show and all of a sudden i'm like um holy crap uh that's you <laughs> yeah yeah it was pretty funny they didn't really make a big deal about it either which kind of made it all the better because we were like was that you did you I, I couldn't tell but was that you so yeah, it, was, it was fantastic so uh so thank you for uh coming back on the show ivan we're really glad to have sure. you with us let's, yeah let's talk to mr mark carroll uh yeah. what is your gaming character sheet like you know, the funny thing is, I actually do have a gaming character sheet uh, that one of my friends wrote up for me using 3.0 because I am a registered, licensed minister in the state of Texas. At this point, I perform three weddings, so I guess that makes me a level five cleric. <laughs> it's true. Brilliant. It's true. Uh, I've, I've worked with AEG on 7th C, and probably the biggest work that I did for them was World's Largest Dungeon. Uh, ambitious, but unfortunately, ultimately kind of failed project. Uh, I've worked a little bit with Green Ronin, uh, under their Superlink license. And, uh, I am attached somewhat infamously to what was formerly known as, uh, Nistel's Infinite Dungeon. Now it's just the Infinite Dungeon with D3 Adventures out of Houston. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot about this Infinite Dungeon. Um, I understand that D3 has rescued it, uh, from its, kind of languishment after the Kickstarter, and uh, I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. Yep, there's some good stuff on the horizon. Oh, but Jason, who is the owner of D3, says, I cannot talk about it yet. Oh, but wah, for, wah. For, for, I know. For folks that, that have invested in it, folks that backed in it, folks that are waiting for it, it's 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 going to be better okay. than original. Wow. Is that even a is that even a proper set of structure? <laughs> Hell, I don't know, and I'm a writer. Well, we got a level three cleric or level five cleric and an alchemist. Uh, lizard lizard men alchemist. Yeah, we're 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 halfway to an adventuring party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would that make you, Russ? What would you what would you throw in as if you were to? Oh if, gosh. Um, well, I'm I'm working on Arduin right now, and one of the crazy things in Arduin is they got these bug guys called Freint. So really cool. So I would totally be like a Freint techno wizard. Techno wizard. Yeah, I, yeah. That, that makes me think about the kitchen sink stuff that we talked about in this last episode. You know, like, it, you know, and Arduin is totally like that too. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so. as a total aside, Ivan, you you completely undersold Outbreak Undead. Uh, every time somebody asks me about that, I tell them that is the single best zombie game that's come out since All Flesh Must Be Eaten. Oh, Mark, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's um, it's, it's an excellent game. Awesome. That's well, high, I, that's high praise that, considering that. I mean, I mean, there's not a whole lot of zombie games out there right now or anything. 
No, yeah, it's not like the market's completely saturated uh, with different titles. But you know what? That's okay because more people playing zombie games means more people testing their zombie survival plans. Honestly, mm-hmm. if, you, if you think about zombie RPGs, though, there's only three that I come to mind. Uh, there's yep. All Flesh, mm-hmm. there's Outbreak, and there's the Palladium one, Dead Rain. Dead Rain. Yeah. yeah. Those are the three most prominent. And, you know, and it's so funny because I was at Gamma a couple weeks ago it still is like I've been in this, I've been doing this for like four years. And, and, you know, we've had other titles beyond Outbreak at Dead, Undead as well, too. And I'm just amazed at how, like, four years, I still feel like the new kid, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so much. It's like, okay, wow. Yeah. I've been still doing this 14 years, Ivan, and I still feel yeah. like the new guy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a, I was in a room one time with, uh, with Zeb Cook. And, oh, okay. And man, let me tell you, I felt like, yeah, I, I I was a new guy on the block. <laughs> I totally get it. So, well, you'll be you'll you'll be excited to hear that in a in a couple actually probably in a couple of weeks here we're going to be launching a project for the new. It started off as a module, but now it's going to be its own standalone system. It's the sci-fi version of Outbreak Undead called Outbreak Deep Space. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. That sounds is, sweet. It's gonna be sweet. Not gonna lie, it's gonna be cool. Oh, cool guys. So, the next thing after the gaming character sheet we have to do with you guys is we have our tavern tales. Mm. Now, this may be new for you, Ivan. I'm not sure if you were around for when we started this up, but nope. we want you to give us a, a a story of a memorable die roll from one of your games. Okay. Okay. I think Mark should go first because I got to start first last time. Mark, can you give <laughs> us a memorable die roll from one of your games? Oh boy, let's see. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the easy route, Ross. Back in the day. Let's jump in the Wayback Machine to about 10 years ago uh, when I was running my Dungeons & Dragons campaign. I am going to be the first to admit I I shamelessly appropriate anything that comes to hand. In this case, it was a creature from the Iron Kingdom setting called Deathjack. Oh, yeah. For those of you who don't know who Deathjack is. I have a Deathjack model, so. I I built a custom one. Sweet. I built a custom one using bits from Warhammer 40K. Uh, And the party at the time was getting toasted. Uh Deathjack being a gigantic necromantic iron golem with crazy death and disintegration rays and a burning cloud of ash surrounding it constantly. They they could not take this thing down. So one of my players, a fellow named Steve Bornstein, uh was playing the party rogue, or as he would put it, the party thief, a guy named Sarable. Steve had a reputation in the campaign. One excellent player, two he and his friend Andy would constantly come up with plans that would completely flummox me as a GM. <laughs> In this oh, I love case, that. he's like, fine. You know what? Those skulls, which are these literal skulls strapped onto Death Jack's shoulders, shooting off these rays, messing the party up. His skulls are causing us too many problems. I'm going to charge him. And I'm thinking to myself that that's, that's insane. But being a rogue, he's skill guy, makes his acrobatic check 20. Death Jack can't get him. <laughs> He, and I said, okay, you're there. You're going to be taking damage every round. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to climb up on him. I'm going to unstrap those things. You said they're held on with metal straps, right? So I can use disabled device. <laughs> and I could hear the doom. Hear the doom <laughs> because it was a great plan. I mean, he's, he's, yeah. there. he's like, I'm going to take the damage. Right. Why not? So I want you to picture this. You've got a 15-foot-tall, red-hot iron golem spewing ash made from the souls of the damned. Two skulls, one that fires death rays, one that fires disintegration, swinging his massive axe around. And here's this skinny little thief in his damn studded leather, clambering all over the thing. 
Pop it off rivets. <laughs> 20 after 20 after 20 after wow. 20. Wow. That's amazing. And he it just, he just, just, <laughs> was just like, what? <laughs> he was taking a putty knife and just basically like <laughs> chipping them off like one by one. That's amazing. And I mean, he's describing it. You know, Sarval's got his little pinch bar for windows. <laughs> shoving them up under the room. Punk. And That's this brilliant. thing was pasting the party five minutes before, and he just he takes it out single handedly. It was it was incredible. Nice. And I just oh. I just had to go. Okay, gosh, that's I mean that's it. You that's got it. him. You got <laughs> brilliant. All so, right, uh, good story, Mark. Um, mine is uh, from a three point five game from about five years ago, in which it was only a two person campaign. So it was me and another guy as PC as in our GM. Really fun doing like a really intimate game like this, and it was a. It was fun because the campaign was I was doing a prestige class from the book of Exalted Deeds and he was doing a prestige class from the book of Vile Darkness. So we were like black and white, had to have a common enemy. Otherwise, we hated each other. You know, um, and the, I, I took, um, essentially a, a, a pious human monk that took a vow of poverty. Right. So the vow of poverty, <laughs> right? Vow of poverty. And so I think at this point, I'm like, I think we managed to, I'm either at like 12 or 13, level 13, and still not a single item on my body this entire campaign. So we're doing the session in which previously, I don't really know, there was a really bad battle that happened between one of the major like sub villains of the campaign that ended in the, the decapitation of a demigod because he had a vorpal scythe. And he just, and he had basically was doing an NPC battle that we were doing while we were dealing with like another battle at the same time. And this just mini villain just like sliced off the demigod's head. And I took a, a very vicious wound in the effort of recovering this demigod's head and the hopings that we could resurrect it at some point. But I, I got like a gigantic, like a permanent reduction to my hit point scar from this cursed scythe. That was across my chest for like six months worth of games. Wow. Um, so, but I still, it's okay. Cause I still had that demigod's head and it didn't count as a magical item. So anyway, we finally got to this, to this campaign in which there was a multi layered city, like several walls, rings within rings within rings in which there was this giant beacon of light in which, a, um, you know, this, this, the, this portal to the ethereal world was open. And it, it was clear in the campaign that we were supposed to take the remains from that demigod and go and bring it back to the center. And that was how we were going to like, uh, something cataclysmic, potentially good for our side was going to happen if we could get this body part back to the center ring. So he had this whole, I, it, the GM had this whole, of course, like encounter layout planned out where we had to go through like different rings of the city, fighting off city guard and dealing with like rogue flying demons back and forth. Uh, so I go to my 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 teammate and I'm like, all right, you stay here and blow things up. I don't even give a shit about you anyway. I'm just going to go straight for the center. And, you know, having no encumbrance because all I'm doing is wearing a robe, I basically tuck in this demigod's head like a football and I just do full on sprint. You know, I think it ended up because with the with the monk stats, I was doing something like 220 feet around, you know, <laughs> fast and a full sprint. And he basically was having me do agility checks to be like stopped by guards who were like trying to, you know, 
<laughs> you know, prevent me. But I was rolling so well going through this entire series, like you were saying, 20 after 20 after 20, that there was a, instances in which I would be going through tunnels and it would just be described that I basically like I'm jumping off people's heads and doing wall runs around, <laughs> around people trying to do it. And eventually when I got to that center point, it was literally like, Put the head down. Touchdown. <laughs> Did you spike it? <laughs> Spiked it, you know? And uh, he, the, I didn't get in one encounter in that entire wow. run because I just managed to avoid every single one because I didn't even bother to engage with any of them if I could just run by them like a bat out of hell, you know, and and make that happen. So I imagined it as being like the longest, most insane run for the end zone that you possibly can imagine. So <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Uh, all right. So the last thing we're going to do before we jump into our uh, topic is we're going to talk about what we've been playing lately. And um, let's start with Mark. What have you been playing lately, Mark? Uh, let's see. Uh, I've got a couple of games right now. One is a most excellent fake core pulp game that's run by my wife, Jennifer, uh, with some elements out of Ken Heights. Very excellent day after Ragnarok. Uh, the other Ross should already be familiar with because he's in it is a <laughs> campaign based on the setting toward using savage worlds where we've introduced a bunch of new cosms, including shamelessly stealing from Pacific Rim because giant <laughs> monsters. Why not? So, so you're the one running that mark. Yes, sir. Because Ro- Ross has been talking about that one for a couple of weeks. You guys started off in Torg and then kind of had to abandon we had problems with the system. Yeah, yeah. it's. <laughs> Oh boy. Torg is a really, <laughs> Torg is a really interesting system, but it just, it wasn't the right fit for the game that we're in right now. Now, quick aside to the topic, Torg is not an introductory game by any stretch of the imagination. I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we were having a good time in that game in Mark's cool. game. I guess just, you know, that's a good segue for, you know, what I've been playing lately. I've been playing in Mark's game. Uh, <laughs> I'm also, uh, I ran a game of Pathfinder the other weekend for some friends of mine, uh, who some, including one person who swore he would never play Pathfinder ever. Uh, and he really enjoyed it, even though it ended in a TPK. <laughs> I think I saw that online somewhere. Yeah, it was on yeah, my Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was a good game. TPK, but totally good game. So. <laughs> you know, I like to say, uh, there are certain things that are classic about, you know, gaming. And one thing that's classic about gaming is sometimes TPKs happen. And sometimes, you know, they're even like, yeah, that's the right, that's the right ending for that game, you know? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. So we did that and I'm playing in, uh, the Avengers game uh, as the Valkyrie 2, which is pretty cool. I'm playing that on Skype. And we still have our ongoing Shadowrun game between uh, Daryl, myself, and uh, Brendan and the other guys that's on the uh, Gamers Tavern game table uh, show. You got it right this time. So uh, let's talk to Daryl. Daryl, what have you been playing lately? Uh, Shadowrun in the Gamers Tavern game table, and that's about it. I've been up to my neck in work for the website right now. we got a couple of couple of irons in the fire that i can't really talk about yet so that's been sucking up most of my time and the day job's actually getting to the busy season right now but i've actually as of today i sent out an offer i've got an assistant editor on board who's going to help me out so i'll be able to focus on this and these other things and hopefully grow this podcast network into something even better and more stuff and i might actually get to play some games that aren't recorded for podcasts for once and you, sweet you might run into both of us actually at animation celebration which is happening in oh yeah that's, july uh july yeah july 4th weekend ross and i are both going to be running games at uh, animation celebration in galveston texas so and so will ivan oh ivan's going to be there awesome hooray 
Hey. Yep. And so will Ivan. He will be running games as well. So brilliant. Welcome. That we'll have to we'll have to stop and hang out and, and get a picture of us fist fighting again. Woo! Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we're actually uh, <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually talking to uh, Richard, who's like the assistant coordinator. He's we're working on getting a live recording of Gamers Tavern at the convention in front of a crowd. So cool. If, if, yeah, that'd be ho- fun. Hopefully, if your schedule is available, Ivan, you can jump in with us. Yeah, yeah they haven't really, they haven't really told me what they're doing yet, well, and I don't actually, really even know what my my position is. I don't know if they're having me in as an SG or if I'm just running games well, or kind well, of what I, the dealio is. They're but, actually they're actually uh, running several a, conventions right now, and they've got one coming up as we're recording this this weekend. Uh, they've got one that they're doing in Dallas right now with Kevin Conroy and a bunch of other big name voice actors that they're working Friend on. Friend right of the now, show, so. Daryl Hardy is he's, actually yeah, at that he, show. He's at the, well, he was there by the time you're hearing this. Yeah, but, he, he will have been there by the time this episode But, is uh, I was talking to Daryl. Daryl will probably be there as well. And there's a lot of other awesome gaming going on there. So sweet. That sounds fun. I'm so happy I'm going to get to see you guys. So speaking of seeing us, Ivan, what have you been playing lately? Um, I'm kind of working on the module for saving throw, which is Pathfinder right now. That's taking some time, but recreationally, I actually managed to jump in on a dark heresy game. Whoa. (laughs) Right. It's actually, it's theoretically we're doing death watch. What? But, you know, yeah. Oh my but, God. That's my game. I love it. I know. I know. And I'm <laughs> happy to know that I'm playing a devastator salamander. Nice. Yes. And it's kind of funny because we wanted to do different roles. It's I'm playing it with the same guy that I was doing that Pathfinder campaign or the 3.5 campaign with. And somehow it ended up being to where instead of a monk, I'm playing Salamander. And somehow <laughs> instead of um, him playing like a, a, you know, a dark cancer mage, he's playing dark angels. Wow. Yeah. So we didn't actually end up being too far away from our original alignment. <laughs> but I was, if I had to pick someone who's the diametrical opposite of a salamander, it'd probably be an iron hands, but True. dark angels are not far away from that either. So. No, not, and he's a librarian too. So, oh, there you go. Oh, right. And anyway, we're having a good time. There's a couple guest stars that are jumping in and out of it. We got like a random space wolf dude who just joined us for, <laughs> you know, the campaign. So. Sweet. And I have mixed feelings on Space Wolves, so we'll play with that. <laughs> um, so will the Dark Angel. So as a backer of your Kickstarter, Ivan, I have to ask, how's that module coming along? Oh, the module's coming along fine. Um, the big thing about it is is that uh, it's just complicated because what I, what I wanted to do, it actually is based off of the greater world in which my, my buddy, my, the guy who did that campaign with, put together. But I'm trying to design it so that it's something that you can pick up and play and you don't have to have a set group to do it with. You can literally have uh, a player who's brand new play with someone who might be like four levels higher than you and you just run missions because you're all mercenaries in a world in which, you know, nothing makes sense, you know? So the idea is, is that if, if you were able to come to one game session with your GM but you are missed like two or three other ones... Yeah, it sucks because you won't get the experience and the benefits from it, but it's also not the end of the world. Storyline-wise, you'll be able to jump back into it without too much issue. That sounds like the perfect adventure to introduce new players to the game. Hey, look at that. Isn't that a weird thing, considering we're putting that for a show and which gets people into the game? (laughs) Speaking of that, that's a wonderful segue. (laughs) Actually, let's let's jump into our topic tonight. 26 episodes and I got one. The topic tonight is about getting started in gaming. And I want to ask, I'm going to put this question out to the guests. For other listeners, how do you find people to game with? 
Are you asking me personally or just how do people find people in which to play with? If, if you were, let's say you're giving advice to a bunch of people listening to a podcast who are looking for advice on right. how to get started. <laughs> um, in that hypothetical situation, uh, wh- what would you say as advice uh, on how to find people to game with? It's so funny because I just got done answering this question on a, on a tweet. Not like right before hopping onto this podcast. It's just, I basically, the, the line that I could give him at 120 characters is, is find the game you love and find friends who you would like to play it with. You know, the idea is, is that if you're brand new to the game, the best thing that you can do is find people who play it, you know, and you, you sure there's an opportunity that they might not be you know, the group that you end up playing with. But it's in my example from what I've learned that it's better to play and learn from playing than trying to do the the book route in which you try to like learn everything and then you jump into it like the first time. So does that make sense? Yeah. And and the part that I thought was really good is you said you should find friends. I often say that gaming is a social thing first. Right. And I, I prefer to game with people who are my friends uh, rather right. than strangers. Actually, I'm going to go off on one more tangent real quick, and maybe Mark can even in, throw into me on this. But there was a study that I thought was really fascinating, and it applies to being a creative person, which I believe role-playing is. Role-playing plays to the, your creative side very much. But it's a story about two studies that involve people who make, um, like, are in pottery classes, right? So the study was done with two different classes with, that had two different curriculums. One curriculum was you make one pot at the very end of your class, and that's the one we're going to grade you on, all right? Versus the one class in which they, they take you through little steps in which you go through, you make a pot, you get graded on that, and then you make a different pot later, and then you get graded on that. And it's more like a traditional curriculum in which they, they like grade you down, down the, the, the um, grade you down the, like a gradual progression. A gradual progression, right? And then what they did is they took us, they took a sample of pots from both classes, randomized them, and then put them in front of a third party biased judge and asked them to rank all the pots in as, as, in regards to like professional quality, care, and stability goes. Now, if you were to make a guess, which curriculum did you think scored higher? I'm going to guess the uh, gradual progression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. The gradual progression scored higher because if you fuss over the design of one pot for your entire, you know, for your entire class, you're going to end up making more mistakes and taking more steps back than you are taking forwards. Instead of essentially like learning from your mistakes the first time you do it and then progressively getting better and better, learning to let go of the things that didn't work or work out and then just move forward making stuff better. I believe that this is the same thing. You're, you just got to play. And if you try to fuss over that one campaign and you spend six months making the ultimate campaign, but it's also your first campaign – it's probably not going to end up the way that you exactly want it to, you know? So that's always why I recommend people to run one-off sessions as their first games, then try to make this big, long, extended campaign with their friends. And that really reminds me of advice that's given to a lot of new writers. I see this a lot on Reddit in the writing forums where people will ask a question about, and again, this is kind of off topic from gaming, but it's very, very related because they'll ask, well, what do I do about this, 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 or this, some little minutia thing? And the answer you will see about five or six times is just write. 
And the idea isn't, we're not ignoring your question. It's you're focusing on, this is my first story. This is my first novel. I'm trying to focus on all this little tiny details when you're going to learn much more by writing and basically screwing up. Right. I believe the term is iteration. Exactly. Right. Reiteration is the best reflection. So, you know. <laughs> so would you say the advice is to let it go? Can't hold it, it back anymore? The advice is to just, <laughs> is to just, oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> okay. Ross, you cannot say that after giving me a ban last week from singing. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love Ivan's reaction to that. He's like, oh, uh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, 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 geez. It just settled in. <laughs> well, what it's, about you? It's the subtle sting there. I like. What would you do, Mark? What would you recommend for players trying to, who are looking for people to play games with? Well, it's a, it's a tough question these days because back, back when I start back in my day, I'll shake my cane a little bit. We didn't have the internet because I started at literally the dawn of the hobby or very, very shortly after the dawn of the hobby. Kind of back like dawn then, of the dead, but with more 20 sided. Back then, Nichols had pictures of bumblebees on them. No, and we carried onions on our belts, which was the fashion at the time. All right. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. <clears throat> I mean, I still remember walking into, you know, the friendly local gaming store down in San Antonio, the dungeon, now sadly shut down, and just being absolutely blown away because I had seen Dungeons and Dragons, I had seen Star Frontiers, I had seen Boot Hill, I had seen Gangbusters, I had seen even Call of Cthulhu in the toy store and in the bookstores. So I walk into this place that was, you know, you've got wall-to-wall comics, you've got games I had never even heard of. I, I was so just gobsmacked, and I didn't think to actually talk to anybody about it. Nowadays, people are a lot more connected. My advice, if you're in some kind of social space, whether whether it's face-to-face or just you're on social media of some kind, someplace like, you know, if you do a meetup, if you're on Facebook especially, I've, I've gotten players off Facebook's message boards are out there. Don't be shy about putting yourself out yeah. there because... Uh, while there is still the perception of kind of a, a nerdy stigma with RPGs, let's be honest, guys. One of the most popular shows on television has had, what, two episodes about D&D now with Community? <laughs> two on Community, two on Big Bang Theory, one on or Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's as close to mainstream as it's going to get for a while. You can you can go out there and it's not you don't have to fear being picked on because someone out there is actually going to love you and appreciate you and welcome you theoretically into their circle as long as they want as long as they are looking for the same thing that you are which is yeah. to have an amazing experience with people and um play games you know yeah I would want to move into the next stages of that is like how do you still protect yourself from people who are enthusiastic but might also be Maybe a little too enthusiastic or, <laughs> or maybe they, they are a little, they want you around so that they can make themselves look better. Cause the, the, the one thing that you should always be paying attention to is like the, I would say the key of role playing is not just playing, but also giving people an opportunity to play. Yes. So you're not, you're not the only one playing the game. Yes. To be a know? good player is to help other people achieve, achieve awesomeness as well. Exactly. You, I have a blog post about this, and there's actually a lot of, I think, uh, advices out there on the internet about how to be a good player. 
So without getting too deep into that, let's just say, you know, look for opportunities to be awesome and then help other people also be awesome. That's a good way to go. By allowing others to shine, you as a result shine brightest. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's enthusiasm coupled with respect. And it it goes back to Will Wheaton distilling it down for the rest of us. Don't be a dick. Right. (laughs) Now, I think I want to throw a couple things in here. Uh, You know, yes, Mark and I back in the day, the only way you'd find players is you'd go into Walden books in my case and you'd look at people <laughs> you'd look at people looking at the D&D racks and that's who you knew were gamers in your area you, know? <laughs> you would just say hey uh I see you look at the player's handbook there <laughs> so uh yeah. yeah and that's ballsy dude like I mean I don't I don't actually see a lot of people even making that type of outreach nowadays you know Well I was going to say I think things are a lot easier now thanks to the internet you can go to places like RPG Net or EN World where they have gamer seeking gamers uh, right. G- games, uh, Giant in the Playground, Rich Berlue's, uh forum has also a, a good one for that. I actually right. did a very, very odd thing in which I actually went on OkCupid, which is a dating website, when I was trying to find players once. And I just searched profiles that say Dungeons and Dragons because I figured if you're going to put D&D on your dating profile, you're a passionate player. Right. And I got a group out of it. So that that's an interesting way to go. Um, It's unorthodox, but I'm sure that I did something. Yeah. So. And gaming stores will often have like either a forum or maybe a, even just a, a board where there are people advertising for games. That's also uh, a common thing that I found. Board, cork board in the back of the store. Yeah, cork board in the back of the store. And uh, lastly, of course, there's things like gaming conventions where you can go to uh, like a usually like a local college will have like a game day or something like that. Or right. uh, you can go to even the big ones like Gen Con or PAX. And you can usually find gamers there as well who... Uh, if you're lucky, you're in your area, and if not, you can always try and find something who's playing over Skype or Roll20 or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I find that's actually worked really, really well for me since I moved back home, I live in a little podunk redneck town called Orange, Texas, and one thing that's actually shocked the hell out of me since I moved back here is just asking coworkers, asking friends who show interest in that sort of thing. If they're talking about Game of Thrones, they're talking about Lord of the Rings, they're talking about even you know, Hunger Games or Pacific Rim or anything like that, or Marvel comic book movies. Ask them, hey, you guys ever tried any tabletop? Have you ever guys ever pl- role-played? And sometimes you will be shocked at the people who say, oh yeah, I used, to, I used to play D&D in college, or yeah, I had a 40k army back in high school, and and you'll bring it up to them, and it's like, oh yeah, it'd be awesome to play again, even in your 30s and 40s. Yeah, and it, just because they're not in it now doesn't mean they're not looking for an opportunity to get reinvigorated, to get mm-hmm. re reintroduced, so to speak. Because maybe their times have changed. Maybe their friends moved, and they just dropped it. You know, that, I've seen that happen to a lot of groups. Is a lot of people will essentially just drop the hobby once their initial core group of friends either either one moves or all moves or one has a kid and doesn't have time anymore like there's just so many reasons and it all rolls back around to ask your friends you're you're want right? to play games with your friends you want to hang out with your friends ask them they'll probably be into it you never know sure yep i i mean a couple of years ago i was at gdc and a lot of people don't remember the name brenda brathwaite but she was one of the primary developers for the granddaddy of PC RPGs, Wizardry. Hmm. And the craziest thing, she says, well, we all played D&D around the office. We approached TSR. TSR said, no, we're not going to give you a license for it. This computer gaming thing is never going to go anywhere. (laughs) It's a fad. It's a fad. It's never going to go anywhere. And they said, but we love playing D&D so much, it was so hard to get together a group, so we made Wizardry. And especially with 
younger gamers or younger potential gamers, I've had really good luck just basically telling them that story. It's like, you know what? You're playing Dark Souls over there. You're playing Fallout. You know, you're even playing something like Bioshock. You're playing Mass Effect. You know what? This is where that came from. Yeah. And that that has worked remarkably well for me getting some of the younger set in. Oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. I feel like an old man now. <laughs> um, but getting I, getting new gamers into the hobby going, you know what? That's cool. But have you ever thought about doing it like this? Oh, it surely gives them more range of, of control, you know. I always tell people that, that the foundation of basic game design is inherent in tabletop role-playing because most of the rules that are made into making an experience on table – can literally just be applied with simple code and then pretty graphics and and turned into that goes all the way back to the original Ultima. I think that was mm-hmm. that was very very it wasn't directly lifted but it was very very heavily influenced by D&D and um I think Rollmaster but I'm not entirely sure. Well, we talked sure. about pedigree as a big deal on this uh on this show before talking about different games that have led to you know, a lot of things that are huge in our culture these days. So right? it goes all the way up into the most recent games where it's still a uh, health meter is still just hit points in a graphical form. Yep. <laughs> it's so valid. But here's a here's a follow up question then for you guys. Let's say we find a group or let's say we're going to found a group or let's say, you know, you, you're going to put up a, a, a notice on the board yourself. What would be a good game to play if you're going to pick a game to play for the first time? Man, that's rough because we're dealing with that with saving throw a little bit right now. My core, my, my heart of hearts tells me that depending on how much experience you have playing games in the past, there are rule light games that might be really appealing but the difference is that if it's rules light say say dread right dreads amazingly simple um very no rules at all simple 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 way to tell a story and give people consequences for their actions right but what if you don't like horror you know what if you don't like horror stories what if you don't like little ghost stories and things like that that's a good question do you pick do you pick the system first or you pick the genre I think you pick the genre because what if you don't like high fantasy? What if your friends don't enjoy high fantasy? They Maybe they would like to play something like World of Darkness instead. Or if you want to recommend World of Darkness and they don't like modern systems and they want to play something fun and fantastic, then that's when you go to like D&D and Pathfinder, you know? So I say, I say pick the world that you and your friends want to play in and then find the system that works best for you in that. What about you, Mark? I'm going to... Not exactly disagree. But <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare I, sir? There are tons of games out there. Uh, I'm going to bring up my my particular favorite for this because I consider it to be what I call best in breed for doing it. Uh, there's a little game, and I'm going to pick a little bit, called On Mighty Thudes. Fantastic. Sword and sorcery game. Ultra simple to work out. The first thing you do when you're making characters in there is you pick what they call your D20 stat which is this is the thing that you are the epitome of. Uh, so using, say, the character of Thulsa Doom as an example, he's Thulsa Doom the Fearsome. What you do when you pick that, you got a blank sheet of paper there that's going to serve as your world map. You take a marker, you put a little dot, and write Fearsome next to it. That is the homeland that your character comes from that embodies what that homeland is. As you go around the table circular, everybody's discussing it. 
they do theirs. So you've got this map with all of these points on it that are like this. A land that's fearsome, it's high, rocky crags. It's terrifying, it's mist, there's monsters there. Whereas a land that's heroic tends to be more of your shining kingdom. And during character creation, the players literally fill in the details of the world map until they're ready to play. I I ended up running on Mighty Thews, and that, that is a long story I will spare you the gruesome details of, at Robert E. Howard Days here in Texas. <laughs> a couple of years ago, absolutely terrified because the people that had been recruited for it by my friends, my traitorous, traitorous friends, were the top Robert E. Howard scholars in the world. And we were set to play at a table, I kid you not, less than 50 feet away from the room where Robert E. Howard wrote stuff like Conan and Solomon Kane. <laughs> you know, it, I, I was absolutely terrified. But once I explained it to him, people that had never gamed before, you know, I mean, we're talking an academic that uh, Jeff Shanks, who's a great guy, Chris Gruber, who's a great guy. These guys are archaeologists <laughs> and literary scholars. And they go, wait, 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 wait. We get to say what the world's like. And they filled it in. And it was just, it was an amazing thing. I've actually got the map they created framed because it was that good. Nice. And there are other games out there that are like that. Uh, Fate Accelerated is really excellent for that because world creation is part of character creation and that ties it all into play. The number one thing to really hook people in that I've found, and it doesn't apply to everybody because you know, I'm me and everybody else is everybody else is getting people immediately invested in the world, get them, get them interested in the world and the mechanics become a secondary thing. Well, That's valid. Let me ask you, I want to push back just a little bit on that. I mean, wouldn't you say like if I, if someone wanted to, uh, pick a game for his group for the for for, for a bunch of new players who've never played before. Isn't it isn't it kind of fair to say that there are games like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder that are essentially a byword for the act of role playing itself? Almost. I mean that there's you know it's it's almost like saying we're gonna we're gonna role play tonight is we're gonna play D anD D or we're gonna play Pathfinder. I've run into that a lot when I try to describe whenever I started the column at Any Cool News when I started the website here. Telling my coworkers who weren't gamers, hey, I'm doing this thing where we're talking about role playing games. What's role playing games? You know, like, uh, like games you sit around to, oh, D and D. Right. And that's part of like, I mean, that's also saying, I mean, it's just brand identity at the end of the day. Like Dungeons and Dragons has been around. It's gotten the most media. It's gotten the most publicity, but it's also the same thing as like name one other brand of facial tissue that you know about other than Kleenex. Right. Or Xeroxing yeah. for, you know, copies and things like right. that. Right. And it's just, it's, it's, it, I, I, as much as I uh, appreciate the fact that like there is a certain, there, I, it's not even a stigma, but there's a certain expectation of what the core product would be for role playing games. So D and D is just a name. Role playing games are still role playing games. And if, even if people only know Dungeons and Dragons, that's just an opportunity for you to be like, well, well, let me tell you that there are so many other things. And I'm certain this is something you've already done, Daryl, to all your coworkers. And now they probably don't want to hear about role playing games ever again. I, I learned long um, ago not to try to talk to them about it and explain Shadowrun and everything else to them. It, 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 I just like, yeah, D and D. Well, I think there's something to be said for, for the idea of D and D being a, a unifier. In that it gets you all on the same page to begin with as, as who you are and what you're supposed to be doing, which I always advocate, especially for newer gamers, as something you should really keep in mind and, and communicate about before you get going is here's what we're supposed to be doing and here's who we are, you know. And you'll see that a lot 
and new gamers who are coming in in this day and age. They're people who saw Big Bang Theory episode that was D&D. They saw the community D&D episodes. They saw the IT crowd episode. They saw Freaks and Geeks and where they play D&D. They're like, oh, that looks actually kind of fun. It's not nearly as lame and dorky as I thought. That looks awesome. I'd like to give that a shot sometime. And if you say, okay, cool, we're going to be playing Faith this weekend. What's that? Uh, I'm going to play D&D. So it's, again, it's that name recognition thing you were talking about, but it's still a thing. So D&D should definitely be on the table. You just may have to, if you're an experienced player, you right. might want to kind of strip it down a little bit. Or well, let's, could, let's be very, very clear. There's nothing wrong with D&D as a beginner game. No. no. Or Pathfinder uh, or any of the flavors of, of D&D. In fact, it's, it might even be, it just depends on the type of person because everybody's different. I think that might be the thing we're all trying to get at is that everybody does have different expectations. Right. And especially when I, whenever I start any game, anytime with any players, I always, that's almost the first question I ask them is like, what do you guys want to get out of this? Like, what do you expect? If people expect D&D, then give them D&D. If they just expect to play in a fantasy, high fantasy sorcery game, then you can start busting out the menu, you know, <laughs> of different flavors they want, might want to order from, you right. know, or if they're already involved. And I mean, this is how games sell. Like if you have a friend of people and I've seen this happen in like the War Machine community, people, the War Machine community might not play role playing games, but they will play Iron Kingdoms, <laughs> you know, that type of. Yeah, it's just about what are they into and what do they want? Yeah, good point. So we talked about, you know, whether you should pick a system or a genre first, but let's, let's delve a little bit into those systems. Mark, I think let's start with you. If you were going to pick, I mean, obviously on Mighty Thews is one, but if you're going to pick some other game systems that would be good for a beginner group, what would you suggest? And why? Uh, Fate Accelerated is really good, uh, because it's very, very, very brief. The rules are explained extremely well. And you can get people right into it if you're talking something more traditional. I, and I can't believe I did that as opposed to more what they call story gaming. Uh, 13th Age oh, is yeah. actually really, really good. I tend to steer newer players away from the more mechanically complex stuff just because it can be very overwhelming. One of my gaming groups, the wife of one of my friends games, and she loves it. Uh, but she she is very easily overwhelmed by the complexities of something like Pathfinder. You know, she's just like, well, when the system starts to get very esoteric or number heavy, she, she starts kind of shutting down because that's not her happy spot. No. Uh, And that can get difficult because a bunch of the other people in that group are very old school gamers. You know, they've been in the hobby as long as I have, maybe even a couple years longer in a couple cases, you know, and we're talking guys that grew up on, you know, the Moldavay set. You're talking guys that grew up on champions, which are both really well, Moldavay, not so crunchy, but a little esoteric champions. Very, very crunchy. Yes. I say this as a enormous fan of champions. But yes, (laughs) Yeah, I love champions. I used to have the big blue book, but it is it is crunchy. I think one of the things to steer away from with the beginner system is anything that leads to paralysis of choice. Analysis paralysis. Yep, exactly. Analysis paralysis. You don't want to present too many options because people be like, but what, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then they lose focus, then they lose interest, and the group collapses before you ever get started. You know, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, all of the 40K roleplay lines that I worked on, they were all very much not for beginners. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's, that's, that's because mostly the people who are into that world as well, too, would probably be insulted if anyone called them beginners. You well, know? I, I, I would, uh, yeah, there, that may be a thing. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that out loud for sure. I don't know. Uh, uh, based on my experience, I, I, I can. Yeah, I just wanted to say that there's absolutely games that are, that are not constructed system, right. systematically and mechanically and in the number of options they present. Uh, they are certainly not for beginners, and and so that's right. there's that. I've got to say, one of the things that I really, really loved, which is about, to, by the time this episode out, it's going to be back in print, and it was one of my awards for the best product at the Gamers Tavern Awards, I believe, was the Pathfinder introductory box. box set, the beginner's box, the black Hell box. Hell yes. It hey. is an amazing introductory product because it takes those, if you look at the Pathfinder core rulebook, not even counting the bestiary or the dozens of supplements they have out now the core rulebook is like four or five hundred pages and that is intimidating as hell when you're trying to learn a new system you grab that beginner's box there's two booklets one's 32 pages for the players one's 64 pages for the gm you've got enough choices that you can mix and match a lot when you're creating characters you've got human elf dwarf halfling you've got fighter wizard cleric rogue and that's enough. You can sit there and mix and match and come up with some cool things with that before you start adding in all the other elements. You add in your half elves and your rangers and your half orcs and all that and monks and all that. You can complicate things as you like as you progress, but it gives you a good starting point. It doesn't overwhelm you. It gives you enough to get started. And it's just a great introductory product. That's why I love it so much. And I'm not oh. even that big of a Pathfinder guy, but I, I, absolutely adore this especially for new players and that's kind of what you're looking for is something that has enough options to keep you playing for a little while but not overwhelming you at the same time with too much yeah the beginner box is fantastic it's one thing i think that really gets neglected with some beginning type games one of the things that makes the beginner box and in my opinion obviously the beginner box great is you've got all these little things to fiddle with you've got character tokens you've got <laughs> monster tokens but it's all very accessible. Uh, with Almighty Thews, you've got the map that people make. You know, the big blank possibility there. Giving new gamers something physical to fiddle around with that's not just, hey, fill out this character sheet, I think is actually something that's very important and kind of neglected. No, that's a really interesting point, Mark. Um, let's, uh, let's toss this ball over to Ivan. What do you think are some good games for beginners? Um... I mean, I can really only speak to the games that I'm comfortable running for beginners because, uh, you know, there is so much out there. Um, I really did like, I liked Gumshoe as an option because I think what you're talking about with analysis paralysis, it's just really easy to just kind of like, you know, jump into making quick decisions and having cool things happen mm -hmm. really quickly. And at the same time, I'm still, I've always still been a huge fan of just like getting a group of 10 people together at a party and running a dread game because it feels like you're playing a board game, but you're telling a story at the same oh, time. I hate that you know? Jenga tower though. <laughs> I, I, you know what? And it's the, it, it to me, it's just, it's it, simple tools that explain basic concepts. And especially if there's a group of people who have never even know the concept of what a dice roll means. That's like, to me, that's a really solid tool to introduce like cause and reaction, you know? Fiasco. Um, but yeah, man, other systems, dude. It's like, 
I can only speak to the ones that I really know well. And I would say that those two are, it sucks because Outbreak Undead is really simple. If you know how to GM it, you know, <laughs> as a player, uh, it's this, it's a really simple game to play, but as a GM, you really have to like, you have to go through the crunch for your players to well, get it. Yeah. So. People like you and me who have a real intimate knowledge of our particular games, I think we could easily run them for beginners, even if they weren't necessarily like, like I just said, the 40k games are not for beginners, but I could run beginners through them just because I designed you know the game. it so well. I designed right. the game. I, I could, I can, I can work you through it. I think that's different than it being on its own, like in the hands of a, you know, standard guy being a good a good beginner game and you guys brought up an interesting point that popped another game into my head uh it's some people argue whether or not it's a role-playing game or not but i purely say it's really a fiasco no you know i heard about fiasco as well too no yeah because that one's kind of you know it's a a role-playing game in the sense that you're telling you're like you're making rules up and you're having arguments, but you're not really like doing there's causality. No you're not doing uh, skill checks or ability scores or anything like started that. With Fiasco simply because it is not a game you play on a recurring basis. It is a game you play once, but it and might then be, you will come back and you. I mean, you can play Fiasco multiple times, but it will never be that same. It will never be an ongoing story. You know what I mean? Uh, the companion right. has campaign play rules in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really see that happening i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's possible uh i just don't think i've ever met people in my life who would be able to do that yeah um, I, i'm totally biased on fiasco because it's a great game and i got it is it's fantastic i mean we did the chicago or the los angeles 32 set and it was it was a hoot but there you, were irish nazis involved can you see <laughs> running that as a campaign though or were you one-shotting it Oh, it was definitely a one shot. It was right. definitely a one shot. We we had been drinking and we needed something that was not. Super and Fiasco complex. fills that niche beautifully. But oh yeah, I right. I honestly am on. I'm gonna have to push back and say I don't think that's a really good and idea. The, for, and the reason why for I think a new a, beginning beginning it, group to try. And the reason I, why I, I, disagree I hate with to Lawson. I hate to put it out there as well too. But I mean, I've seen a lot of people who never played role playing games before. And they do have a really nice success with you know Dungeons and Dragons. Even the fourth edition was really easy for people to, and especially since all the tools were available to pick it up, even if it's not like the most dynamic <laughs> system out there. I have, I like, for example, I, I just ran into a group of, of people who like were doing, they just wanted to record their game and have a good time and do and go through things. But I've seen, I've seen people pick it up. But the problem is I feel like it's a dead end. Like I, I don't, I, it's so hard because I want to recommend easy games to, that for people to play, but I also want to give them room for growth. <laughs> well, fourth edition does have a, a strong, one of its, one of its strengths as a game is it's very good for casual play. Right. And actually there's a system set up around that, which is a good way to introduce people. It's called encounters. Right. And I'm not sure if that's still running, but it, it, it was, is, but they but it was it running next. and there may be game stores who are still doing it, but you could, if you were a guy who wanted to learn what gaming was all about. Just walk into a game store on a particular night and you would do encounters. Yeah, you would you would be practically guaranteed of getting that experience. Well, hopefully with this module I'm coming up with, you can do a similar thing for other games like Pathfinder as well, too. Even though I think um, Pathfinder has their what do they call it? They call Pathfinder it Society. Society. Yeah, PFS. Right? Yeah, PFS. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mark. No, no, no. I was agreeing. I or, or honestly, I, if 
you guys hadn't brought it up, I would have. Oh, uh, D&D Encounters is still ongoing, but they have moved to the uh, playtest roles for the new edition, which is right. still tentatively called Next. And it is still a drop-in, drop-out sort of thing, but they're also tying in a lot of elements. So it it's not quite the entry vector it used to be, but it is still something that I would recommend to people who or want to check it out. And that's also the reason why I recommended Fiasco. And I am still going to stand by Fiasco as a recommendation because people who are tentative about trying it, a one shot is again, a very good way to introduce new people or to try out role playing. If it's not something you've done before. And Fiasco is a great way to get into that idea of getting into character and playing a role. That's not you. Well, I, okay. Yes, you're right that one shots are a good way in. And I think Ivan said it earlier, you know, that he just likes to give people room to grow. And I, that's where I think Fiasco is not the good introduction, just because if you came to Fiasco and you play a character you really like, you know, at the end of that game, you'd be like, man, that's awesome. I can't wait to play that guy again. Yeah, you're, that, that's not so much going to happen. Right. Unless you want to just want to take that character and apply it into well, a you, new system. You, yeah, that's what you'd have to do is you'd have yeah. to put them And I think that's else. what the rules yeah. in the companion are about. But again, it's about choosing your audience. It depends on what you and your friends are looking to get out of a game when you're wanting to try out role playing for the first time or what your friends are looking for if you're the one introducing them. Yes. So, yes. I still think that is the key element agreed. to all of this is that it is about what your players are looking for. And, and don't think I'm hating on Fiasco. I like Fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> I, it sounds like I'm hating on it, but I'm really not. No, it's okay. You just, you just like to, just like to be antagonistic towards Daryl. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I think, the most antagonist we got. We didn't get this bad off in the Edition Wars episode. Listen, I've, I've met Jason Morningstar. (laughs) He is a, he's a very talented game designer. Uh, and we just, and, and we, in our discussion about Fiasco, I think, uh, you know, even he told me, you know, that it's, it's really intended for one shot play. So, I mean, I don't think, I don't think the creator of the game would be upset at me for saying, you know, that I, it's, it's not <laughs> a good idea for a campaign. That's all. Right. That's really all I'm putting out there. I've even run bare basic world of darkness games for new players before. Oh my you God. Know, well, no, you know, uh, yeah. we, we talked about like back in the day, right? Like in the eighties, you find your, you find your gamers at the game store, you find them in, in Walden books, browsing books. In the nineties, you find your gamers, you know, in the hot topic <laughs> when they have a world of darkness shirt on because yep. that's what everybody was doing. It's Everyone true. had that little Ong necklace. We hey all guys, had that little Ong necklace back into mainstream with the world of darkness. So you're talking to the guy who owns no clothing that isn't black or red. So, oh man, but it's true though. Like even my group, they aren't super even in that whole world. But if you want to do a modern system that's just a little creepy. Cause I didn't, I didn't even put any, um, I gave them nothing. I just made them dudes. You know, no one had any special powers. No one was a There were a bunch of, there were a bunch of people dealing with weird shit, you know? And that to me is like, if you want to simplify it, that's fine. And then the good news is if they wanted to keep through it, then you could give them all like a turning process. I had a campaign for a while in which, you know, four sessions was just being mortals and dealing with it. And then systematically each one of them would go through their like, change so to speak and then they could then they could quote unquote that's the room for growth thing that i'm talking about right you know i think there's two other games that we haven't brought up yet that are also really really big on the list of that i've seen online for people who want to get well actually three games we haven't mentioned uh the first one is the uh, new star wars edge of the empire and age of rebellion well, here's the thing uh, about Star Wars. Just like D&D, Star Wars is a thing you can say to somebody and they instantly know who they are, what they're doing. Exactly. And the rules are 
again, like we were talking about, they kind of step back. There's a, there's a reason why this was game of the year for Gamers Tavern. Uh, it, it, the rules really step back in the background and let you explore these characters. So it's a great way to get people involved. Well, there's, you know, there are many flavors of Star Wars RPG out there, just FYI. So, I mean, if you, sure. if you are, if you happen to be a fan of the D20 or like I am a fan of the D6, those are also perfectly <laughs> good ways to get people into Star Wars. You really, can, you yeah. really can't go wrong with Star Wars. You can't. I, I, I agree yeah. with that. See, yeah, you said there was three. So what's the other two? I was going to say one that Ross knows pretty well. Savage Worlds. Oh, yes. Is also a pretty good introductory vector because it's, Got enough crunch to it in the rules that you can satisfy those, you know, I play World of Warcraft, I play all these little games or your video games that you're fiddly with all your stuff, but it's still loose enough that you can really go nuts and teach it to brand new players who maybe aren't into that number crunching aspect. Fast, fun, and furious. Exactly. And it also, as you know, if you're a GM, one of the really big advantages of Savage Worlds is with all the support that's out there for all the different types of uh, games you can play with it is that prep time can be brought down to a very manageable 10, 15 minutes or even sometimes none. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love doing that sometimes. And, and I want to, I want to learn more about doing GM as in Savage World Land, but I'll tell you, in, as far as Outbreak Undead is concerned, I can run that blindfolded. Right. Probably in a water tank. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, it would be easy because it's, it, it, the more open world you are, the more you can just run things on the fly. And I, I think that'd be fun for Savage Worlds as well, too, just to do a completely like random dictated by dice rolls campaign. Well, you know, we did that with our Pathfinder game recently. There's a product from the eighties called Central Casting, uh, which are these books by Paul slash Janelle Jackways, um, and it's just nothing but random roles on like who your character is, what the, what the uh, even city you're in or the nation awesome. or the culture. It's brilliant. We sat, we sat down and in 30 minutes later, we not only had all characters, but we knew that we were in a small city that was part of a, a kingdom that had just overcome a period of decadence. I and love we were, it. We were on the frontier of this expanding, you know, newly revitalized <sighs> culture. And God, it was amazing. So That's yeah. Cool. If if you if you have a group that likes nothing but random random, uh, seek out the uh, central casting books because they are a hoot. That's awesome. I love that stuff. The only downside is they are currently out of print and going for about forty or fifty bucks online. Yeah, used copies. So. But if you can find them, they're so good. Yeah. If you happen to look across a clearance rack somewhere that happens to have them or a used rack or a garage sale, pick them up. I don't even need like a book of just, you know, D100 tables, but it's, it's just the idea that a, that a system can encompass for a group of people coming in being like, okay, we like this genre. Let's run a game, you know, and then just do it. And, it, and then no, sitting there fiddling with 30 page backstories like I always do. You just sit there and roll it and bam, done. And yeah. Character. And, and trust, and, and not to poo poo, you know, long term campaign planning at all. I love that as well, but sometimes. It's just fun to like not have to think about it beforehand and then just run a game with friends. So what was your third game, Daryl? Uh, the third game is one I actually haven't played and I don't know too much about, but everyone keeps raving about it. And it's actually come up on the show a couple of times. Uh, Dungeon World. I am really intrigued by Dungeon World. I would love to try it and play it sometime. Well, Dungeon World, and it's I, I believe it's a related game. It's Little Brother Torchbearer. Apocalypse World is also related. Huh. Yeah. Now, the, one of the neat things about Dungeon World that I was just reading the other day, um, 
and, and honestly, I don't know a lot about Dungeon World, but what I do know is this. <laughs> One of the rules of Dungeon World is you can play, you know, you can have your party with their typical roles of, you know, priest and paladin and all that. But the rule in Dungeon World is there is only one of any particular kind. Nice. So there is no such thing as a party <laughs> of all thieves or two, two rangers working together. You have to be only one of your kind, which is cool from, from a niche protection point of view. It's actually really neat. I like that a lot. I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I, I just kind of started researching it. And uh, like I said, I'd love to try and get my hands on it to uh, try it out sometime. You know, if any of our listeners happen to know the guy who does Dungeon World, uh, you know, have him give us <laughs> yeah. an email at ross at gamerstavern.org. <laughs> seriously, that's um, I've heard about it as well, too. I, I know literally next to nothing about it, though. So I'm intrigued. Okay, so that's um, games that are good for beginners. <laughs> yeah. What other advices would you consider would be appropriate for, especially, obviously we're going to assume that at some portion, the people who are listening to this have some knowledge of role-playing games. But if they want to get their friends into it, what is a nice, what would be a good tactic, so to speak, of how do they get them to even give them the time of day when it comes to playing something like that. Well, like there's, and that's a I'm, great question to ask, but I'm getting a little bit parched okay. right now. So I'm going to go grab another drink from the bar and we'll answer that question after we get back from this break. Drive through RPG is the place to go to purchase digital copies of your favorite games. Dungeons and Dragons, Shadowrun, World of Darkness, Savage Worlds, Numenera, Fate, and so many more. Do you long for the feel of actual paper in your hands? Well, they sell physical products too. Just go to GamersTavern.org and click on the link in the show notes to find your favorite games and support the podcast with every purchase. Welcome back to the episode 26 of the Gamers Tavern podcast. And we're talking about how to get into gaming. And we just kind of wrapped up some of the beginner games that you could uh, get people into. And we're now we're uh, Ivan. What was the question you were asking us earlier? Like, because we can assume that people who are playing, who are listening to this, have some understanding of role playing games. But if you have a group of friends or if you want to try to bring a certain friend into the hobby without being super aggressive about it, what is options for you to bring your friends into the hobby that you love without being a dick i can think of a couple things off the top of my head um number one there is a free rpg day which actually allows you to have a lot of uh quick start stuff that is absolutely free and you could uh you could for example give one of those to your your buddy and say hey uh, check this out when you get a chance and see what you think also there's stores that have lending libraries mm. uh Dragon's Lair here in Austin actually has a really nice, wonderful lending library that you could actually What's just say, huge. you know, we've been talking about playing Fate. Uh, why don't you, why don't you take this home and check it out and see what you think? That's good. I like that. So, and of course, the, the quick starts and intro boxes that we talked about earlier are always a good thing. I'm sure there's stuff that Mark and Daryl can think of. Quick starts. If you go to drive through RPG, which you can find on our links on the website, drive through has all the PDFs for all these different games and right. pretty much every single game that has come out in probably the last 10 or 15 years has some sort of quick start guide, which is just a PDF you download. It's going to have basic rules for the game. It's going to have pre-generated characters and an adventure for you to run. Yep. And it's all meant and most of them are for free on PDF 
format. You can get them uh, in print format for about like five, maybe ten bucks. And it's a great introduction to the game. And it's a great way to test out to see if this game is for you. I put together two of them all by myself at Fantasy Flight and worked on two more for uh, the 40K roleplay. Uh, so, yeah, if you if you want to see something, you can usually, even if you don't go to drive-thru, you can usually go to the game website itself right. and yeah, find our, some kind of download. Our our quick start guide is literally right in smack in the middle of our website. And it's Boom. Like, there you go. You want, you want to know more? Just look at this. So I, I agree. Quick start guides are. That's why they exist, ladies and gentlemen. I'm doing my part. Would you like to know more? <laughs> Would you like to know more? <laughs> but no, that's that's a great point about quick starts. I I run an annual Halloween game. It's it's just kind of a tradition in our various groups. I think for maybe the past five or six years, uh, maybe a month before, I'll go out to drive through, look for horror quick starts. Uh, this last year we did Nightmare at Hill Manor, which is the the New World of Darkness one went great i mean it's it's just the quick starts embrace the pregens and if listeners are curious about this i'm going to provide a link in the show notes that's going to be a link to actually uh if you click on it it'll take you to everything on drive through rpg that's actually free to download so if you click on that it'll take you to all the quick starts and everything else that you can just download and look at to see if it's something you're interested in. Some other things you know we actually brought this up earlier but some other things you could do, you know, just to sort of test the waters. Uh you could always uh you know throw them a link in a in a email to Hulu and pick up those episodes of Community where they play D&D or you know something of that nature. Uh just to give them like here you know here's what it's kind of like just so you have an idea, right? And then there's actual play podcast like the Gamers Tavern <laughs> Game Table. <laughs> There's Tabletop yeah. with Will Wheaton. And, and there's, there's a new literally... upcoming show called Saving Throw. <laughs> there you go. We got all our plugs in. And there's also, literally, you name the system, there's going to be a podcast out there that where they're playing the game. So that's a good way to for someone who just completely doesn't know what role-playing is. You can send them a link to one of those. I would steer away from the YouTube videos from the uh, Penny Arcade things just because they start going into a little bit more theatrics and it can be intimidating for new players to see someone walking out in a cloak and armor on stage because right they're not the first the audio podcasts are great introductory tools especially for fourth edition D&D but once they started doing the PAX shows they're more doing a stage production for the people who are going to PAX who are already gaming nerds they're 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 hyping it up and they're hamming it up for the purpose of playing to their the their audience it's a, am I, it's a stage show am i the only person who's a fan of king of the nerds that thinks that they should have a nerd off or a nerd war that are basically role-playing games where somebody dms for the group <laughs> see hands down would do it in fact i did some i did some work for them talking about additional um like for their challenges yeah yeah and we talked about doing some like i think the cosplay challenge the cosplay challenge or the larping challenge that they had for this season was actually going to have some rules element to it but i don't think i think they decided that uh, that there wasn't enough chance yeah there was i'm sorry there was too much chance inside of who would be determining what because they had to have judges basically determine Right. The winners, you know, and once you start adding elements like dice rolls into it, then it can be an unfair playing ground. 
Yeah, well, you know, it, I, I I don't know. I just I think it would be awesome to see somebody break out the uh, the DM screen and uh, <laughs> say, all right, I, I got an hour to make you guys have fun. Let's see what we can do. You know, hell, I mean, yeah. I would do a challenge. Bring me on as a DM, and I can judge everybody. You could be the judge. Skills. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> let's, do, let's do that. Let's have everyone run a game, and then I'll just tell them who's the who's the best player from that session. You know? <laughs> hey, I'm actually got an idea and for a reality and then show they can podcast move on to the right next now. Challenge, and it can be accumulation of many different points. There so. you go. Any other things we can think about as far as getting people into the game? I think it's important when you're getting new players related to something they already know. You got guys that are into fantasy football. Uh, let's be honest, that's just a form of role playing. Right. You're role playing a team manager. Right. Once you make tabletop games relatable to somebody else, whether you say, you know what, it's like fantasy football, but with a battle axe. Right. You know, you can say, hey, do you like somebody that's or okay, a plasma you like sitting around? So, mm-hmm. you like yeah. sitting around a campfire telling stories? There you go. You like, like Game of Thrones? You like, uh, how about board games like mm-hmm. Descent? Right. I, I love Descent. I really do. Super and Dungeon Explore? Super Dungeon. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you like Fallout, do you like Skyrim? Jesus, if you like Skyrim, you're ready for it already. <laughs> you know, Skyrim, World, World uh-huh. of Warcraft, Dark or, Souls, game, uh, God of War. Right. If you're ready, yeah. I mean, if you, I think you even said it yourself, Ross, you were like, do you like Star Wars? Look in my face and tell me that you don't like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will leave you alone. Otherwise, let me tell you about Age of Empires. So, right. Uh, Edge of the Empire. But yeah. Edge of the Empire. Sorry. No biggie. Uh, Age yeah. of Empires is a fun video game. It so. is. So, <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, the, the only thing I would, you know, want to make sure just emphasize, and I know I've said this before, but I want to, you know, one more time just to make sure people get it. Um, to, if you're doing a group for the first time or if you're including a player for the first time, my advice, my best practice advice is to definitely talk to them ahead of time and say, you know, here's the basic idea of what we're doing tonight. You know, whatever that may be, if we're adventurers exploring the unknown, just kind of give them an idea of what that tone and that genre and the, and the, the expectations are, I think would be a, a really good, uh, a practice. Right. Cause the idea is that you're still, especially if you're the one getting into the hobby and you want to entice your new friends to play with you, right? you want to, you want to give them the most pleasurable, um, dazzling experience that you possibly can while trying not to set too much expectations on yourself. Right. Now, if let's say you get a group together, you know, the next step might be venue. Like where, where do we, where do we take this group? Where do we play at? For beginning gamers, the table is king. Uh, now mind you, I, I play in my living room, but I've got an experienced group. The table though, somebody's table, anybody's table, make sure it's com- got comfortable seating. Take into consideration the likes and dislikes of the players. You know, if somebody's allergic to freaking peanuts, for God's sake, don't put peanuts on the table. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's be a good host. Right. It's you know, be a good host. You want to, you want comfortable surroundings, but you want surroundings that are going to keep people focused. And that's, and that's the key thing is eliminating distraction. Mm-hmm. You want to be welcoming as well. I mean, just, just hands down because it can be intimidating. Some people get very, very self-conscious during our pretend elf games. It, right. You know, it happens. But you want to say you can geek out. It's cool. And there's one thing I really want to point out, which you were talking about when it talks, when it comes to peanut allergies. I'm a smoker. That, that's something that you really need to make clear up front. I also drink. That's something else you want to make really, really clear up front if that's something that they're going to be encountering if you're playing at home. Or if you're allergic to cats. 
exactly right. pets yeah that's, that's I mean, a common thing yeah. that to that to me is like that can usually make or break if i go and spend time gaming at someone's place because if they've got six cats uh well if they got six cats they may have other problems right <laughs> <laughs> hang uh, on and i know the owner of this show has two cats so I'm, i've already got my starter kit going <laughs> the crazy cat lady starter pack so <laughs> i've got four um, cats should i see a professional no, but I would I your, would say your intermediate that you, levels. you might want to start thinking about not going to the swap meet as often as you do. <laughs> um, that's a really that was that could have been a better joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it worked. Well, you know. I, I liked it because I actually do that. So right, <laughs> you uh, have no idea how many people throw out. It's it's all like mom kid just moved to college it's all comic books and D D books man seriously i think it's important too especially if you're everyone has different house rules for how they want to do things but i think you just said it the best just be a good host be good to your people be good to your players this is maybe preaching to the choir for a lot of people but it's important to remember that and for me i actually have a hard rule that if you're hosting you provide food because if you're traveling, especially in L.A., if you're traveling, you're already spending money and time and gas, usually to go to somebody else's place. So the least that the host can do is provide snacks right. and or food for the evening. And of course, you know, we live in a digital age. So, you know, Roll20 and Skype are definitely options if you cannot, for whatever reason, meet in a physical place. Right. And if you don't even want to figure out Roll20, we've been playing Game Table, uh, the Shadowrun game we've been playing Entirely on Skype. Been using rather, it's just Skype, and there's a dice roller plugin that the guys have been right. using. And if you don't want to use that, it's Shadowrun D6s. Roll the dice and trust your players. To be honest, right, right, well, right, right. Well, the die rollers are uh, really help with that, and they're free. Um, and then of course, Roll Twenty is real big advantage. You can show maps and things, and where people are. I believe on the that's map. also free, isn't it? Virtual tabletops are a huge thing. I'd like to say that there's probably going to be more better resources in the future as well, too, for bringing together new players with GMs. I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think we hit it, guys. I think that's kind of, there's so much to tell new people, but it really just comes down to a few things like get an expectation from the people you want to play with. First, find the people that you want to play with. Then get an expectation or an idea of what people want to play and then just make it fun, easy and engaging for them without setting too much expectations on yourself. It seems simple. Um, and I, I know I can definitely sense that in Ivan's voice. You know, he's like, this, this, this should be obvious, you know, uh, but it's, it's, you know, exactly why there's shows like this that kind of, you know, people want to not overlook things. You know, it is the number one question I ever see. I, I spend a lot of time hanging out on forums and on Reddit and FARC and all these other places. And the number one question that pops up every single time is, Hey, I'm kind of interested in role playing games because of blah my friend talked about it i got interested in it. i saw this episode of community that was really awesome how do i get started and that's kind of why we i wanted to do this episode kind of wanted a place to point people to here's the brain trust of gamers that have been doing this for decades talking about it well i can so, even i can even give you like a personal example like i moved to austin three years ago and i was looking for gaming groups in the area so what did i do well i went to there's an austin rpg meetup site and I signed up on that and I found some gaming groups through that. And right. I wanted to play Shadowrun. So I went to the Shadowrun forums and they have a gamer seeking gamers uh, thread there. And I posted in that and I found some groups that way. 
I also would just go to Facebook and say, hey, does anybody know any gaming groups in Austin that are looking for players? And I found some gamers that way. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, if you want to, if you want to get into a group, I, there is plenty of ways to do it. Do not feel like you can't. There's so many vectors these days, so many different groups. And especially if you don't, uh, if you're not limiting yourself specifically to your geographical area and are willing to do things like play on Skype, um, you, I think it's, I think it's much easier today than it ever has been to get into a gaming group. Right. I have talked many times about the podunk, crappy little rural town I live in. Seriously, it's like 18,000 people. There are, I know of, eight gaming groups in this town. Someone started a board game night at one of the coffee shops in town, which uh, that that's also a great place to play as well. If you have a local coffee shop, especially some of them have like the little private room you can take over or totally, just take over a table. Totally. If depending on the content of your game, you don't want to sit there and play a Shadowrun game where you're sitting there. I learned the hard way. Don't plan Shadowrun heists at a coffee shop because the cops got called on us. <laughs> I have a funny story like that, too. What's yours? We were playing a very, very long. It ended up running in the end 13 year long conspiracy horror game using GURPS. And at one point we're playing in my apartment and beautiful day outside. So we had the windows open. My players like to have props and there were various, you know, but just because I'm a nerd and I, I had a plastic gun thing, there were a couple BB guns. There were some, you know, some airsoft stuff sitting around and they're doing what player characters want to do. They're planning to raid a secure location and get <laughs> some information on the conspiracy. Now, at the time, I did not live in the world's best neighborhood. If you've ever seen a scanner darkly, <laughs> that terrible neighborhood where everybody lives in that movie was literally two blocks from my apartment. So they're talking about this and getting excited about it and occasionally brandishing the occasional toy gun or toy. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And all of a sudden we hear these dudes. Oh, shit. It's the FBI. We need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and we see like four dudes running across the parking lot and diving into their car to take off. I I don't know what happened. But <laughs> apparently, they thought we were after them. <laughs> Brilliant! Cheese it! It's the fuzz. Yeah. I was I was waiting to hear the part of the story in which you got a knock on the door because people have been reporting that they thought they heard someone planning a heist from their <laughs> next door neighbor or something. That's well, my story. Uh, we're kind of getting down to the end of the show here, so we need to let our guests tell uh, everyone about what their latest thing is and where we can find them on the web. Go on. Oh, fine. Make me do it. <laughs> Go do, so, it. <laughs> do it. Do it now. I will do it now. <laughs> I will do it now. So as I mentioned earlier, D3 Adventures is getting ready to release the long-delayed Infinite Dungeon. Uh, we have severed agreements with Mike Nistel on that, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, you can find out about all of D3 Adventures products, including a fantastic line of systemless one-shots at d3adventures.com. Cool. And uh, like I said, Saving Throw just finished, so we're going to be spending some time doing production on that, but we're going to be obviously fulfilling our backers. I have many Skype sessions that I get to be doing with players throughout the month of May to help them build characters. It's going to be fun. But we do have another Kickstarter coming up in the next couple of weeks for Outbreak Undead. It's a new module. Uh, it's oh, nice. Really, it's a standalone. I should be saying clear. It's a standalone for Outbreak Undead that allows you to run your zombie survival plans in space. So instead of doing like Walking Dead or 
Dawn of the Dead or 28 Days Later, now you can run things like Event Horizon or, Dead Space. or Alien or <laughs> Dead Space or Dead Space, you know, all of that fun stuff. You know, and, I always wanted to mash up a bunch of movies together and you get like, you know, Raul Julia from Street Fighter and have him show up and be like, for you, when the Event Horizon came back and it was possessed by demons, it was the worst day of your life. For me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. Well, it's so funny because um I'm a huge fan of the Alien series and we actually made horror traits that are called pheromone trails. So, oh, uh, my editor Anical News is going to love that. Like the the fact that you can now make zombies that allow you to freaking <laughs> lead other zombies around. <laughs> yeah, lead other zombies around or just do zombie organisms like possessed creatures that just like embody the the terrifying nature of what I believe the alien is, which is a truly neutral evil type of thing. So yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on. So Outbreak Deep Space, we're going to make it into a colorful bound book. Um you can find me on Twitter's at Hydra underscore Lord. Um that's Hydra with an underscore and then Lord. Uh, <laughs> Link in the show Hy- notes. <laughs> right. And um, yeah, I'm on the Facebooks too. Just type in my name. I'm there. So. And Saving Throw? SavingThrowShow.com. Saving so throw SavingThrowShow.com. Throw awesome. Uh, well, from Daryl and I, we both want to say we're very grateful to have you guys on the show. Uh, thanks for joining us again, Ivan and Mark, yeah. for the first time. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, we'll definitely love to have you guys come back on in the future and talk more about games and gaming because that's what this podcast is all about. Let's do it. I'm on board. All right. Any last final thoughts on uh, starting a group or getting people started in role playing? Just have fun, guys. At the end of the day, there is a certain social stress around trying to meet new people and getting things together. But do it because you want to play in a fun game with friends. Absolutely. Can I tell my weird story, Ross? Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. So. Unlike a lot of gamers, I did not get my start with D&D back in the day. I got my start with this obscure little horror game called Chill. Oh. That was from Pacesetter. By the way, there's a new version of Chill Out called Crypt World. You can get it on drive through Fantastic old school mechanics. A little bit clunky, but gorgeous. Did not know that. At the time, my father was the counselor in residence at a drug and alcohol abuse treatment center. And uh, not being someone with the best judgment would allow me to wander around this place. And at one point I had walked into the lunchroom and a bunch of hairy leather wearing, you know, ripped t-shirt tattooed dudes that look like they would probably do something terrible to you in a dark alley at night are all huddled around the table. And there's a GM screen there and they're rolling these funny dice. I had purchased Star Frontiers and Call of Cthulhu, but living in the barrio in San Antonio, never had a chance to play with anybody. So I kind of vaguely had an idea what RPGs were. These guys saw me look and was like, you want to sit down and roll some dice? And introduced me to the wonderful world of role playing, which I was terrible at being being very, very young at the time. But absolutely wonderful group of guys gave me a lot of guidance on how to approach new people. Just be enthusiastic. Be open. Be friendly. Because you never know. You know, these guys look like they would, you know, beat up an FBI agent and bury him in a hole in the desert. And every single <laughs> one of them was just an amazing player and amazing GM. I And I honestly owe my interest in RPGs to those guys. Sweet. And Daryl? Yeah, I kind of was that guy in high school. I 
had the punk rock thing going with the leather jacket and all that. But in the immortal words of Will Wheaton, play more games. Play more games. Play more games is really good. I, my last final thought on that would probably just be, uh, you know, make sure you you talk a little bit before you get started because uh, it's always good to uh, get everybody on the same page. Right. Um, but that's that's really all I have to add. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for episode 26 of the Gamers Tavern. Thanks to uh, Mark Carroll and Ivan Van Norman. On behalf of Daryl Mott and myself, may all your hits be crits. Well, that about wraps things up for this week's Gamers Tavern. And holy shit, Ross's convention schedule is synchronized with mine. I don't know how that happened, and it's probably not going to last considering con season's just ramping up. And Ross is a lot more in demand than I am. But as of right now, there are three conventions that the both of us are attending this summer. We are both going to be at Comic Palooza in Houston, Texas, May 23rd through the 26th. And you can find out more about that at comicpalooza.com. We are both going to be at Animation Celebration in Galveston, Texas from July 4th through the 6th. And you can find out more about that at animationcelebration-galveston.com slash home. And we will both be at the world's biggest gaming convention, Gen Con, August 14th through the 16th. And if you want to keep track of where Ross and I will be, you can actually find out more about that at our new page, which is our appearance schedule, which if you go to gamerstavern.org and go to about, there will be an option under the menu for appearance schedule. And that'll tell you where Ross and I will be. Next week, we continue our exploration of different campaign settings as Rich Baker joins us to talk about Ross's favorite campaign setting for D&D, Birthright. Yeah, I don't talk a whole lot in that episode between the two of them, and I don't know, that might be a selling point for you. But if you would like to support the podcast, check out our store at gamerstavern.org slash store. Visit our sponsors, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or review us on iTunes. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 license. Music for the Accursed promo is Artemis by Asma Deva, licensed under a Creative Commons Sharealike 2.5 license. Music for the Drive-Thru RPG promo is Tavern Brawl Demo by Save or Die, copyright 2013, all rights reserved, used with permission. Until next time, the tavern is closed.